Let us pray as we turn to God's Word. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that through the written Word, through the spoken Word, we may behold Jesus Christ, the true and living Word. In his name we pray. Amen. As I said, today is Trinity Sunday, so I want us to focus our thoughts on the last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And finally, no, don't worry, you haven't missed the whole sermon. There's perhaps a sense of relief that you haven't, or oh, oh dear, oh no, I'm going to have to listen to the whole sermon now. But it's, and finally, a key phrase we often as preachers use, and finally. And this is Paul's last chapter of Second Corinthians. It's the final greetings, the final words that he has to say to the church in Corinth. And these are words we, we call the grace the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen, we always say at the end of the section, there are prayers in the church. But perhaps what often happens, we glance over in all the letters that Paul wrote, his greetings and his final words, and sometimes they contain some very important truths that we need to look at. As I said, chapter 13, as I read earlier, is the final warnings, the final greetings that Paul is giving to the church in Corinth. Paul already had visited the church beforehand. He was intending, he says, to visit a third time. We read the beginning of chapter 13. Because there were a lot of problems in the church. One of the particular problems was that Paul began to feel they were beginning to distance themselves from the gospel teachings and from the apostolic ministry. They started to become something different and separate. They were losing their unity in Christ and their guidance by, of the Holy Spirit, their unity which they should have had with all other Christians. The church in Corinth, someone had begun to realise that perhaps the, the gospel and the cross were signs of weakness and foolishness. In 1 Corinthians he had said, For the finish of God is wise in man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And earlier he had spoken about how the cross was foolishness to those who were perishing, but the power of God to those who were being saved. So this final chapter of 2 Corinthians is Paul addressing the church who were full of divisions and lack of love for each other, who were beginning someone to feel they were superior Christians in comparison to other Christians in the church who are dividing themselves over the various gifts of the Holy Spirit and, as I said, distancing themselves from the apostolic ministry and the Bible ministry of the Gospel. In chapter 5, verse 5, sorry, of chapter 13, he said, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realise that Christ is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? So he's asking them to examine themselves, to realise that the weakness of, God, uh, of human nature is actually the power of God. By God's power we awaken him, yet by God's power we live with him to serve you. So Paul is trying to emphasise that human weakness actually empowers us with God's strength. So this church, which is beginning to be divided, Paul was seeking to draw them back into each other, aim for perfection, he says, to be of one mind, to live in peace. And if they do so, 
then he says, the God of love and peace will be with you, which means that the church did not have real love, did not have real peace from God because they were not striving for God's perfection. They were not being of one mind and they were not living in peace. So Paul is giving a clear directive to the church that they were to get back again to what it should be. And so this last verse of chapter 13, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the significant gospel in a summary of what God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit want to achieve and have achieved for us. So the first point I want to emphasize this morning is, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is grace? That is God giving us what we don't deserve. We deserved punishment for our sins. But yet God, in his love and mercy, didn't give us what we deserve, punishment. Yet God did give us something wonderful. He gave us a gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. We didn't deserve it, nor did we desire it, but yet God gave it to us. The word grace has been broken down to God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. In other words, God, by sending Jesus Christ through his birth and through his living, through his death and resurrection, has given us the wonderful gift of salvation. It's God's gift to us through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he is rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so through his poverty you might become rich. God sent Jesus Christ into this world. Jesus Christ left the place of perfection, of splendor, and of glory on heaven and came down to this earth. He gave up his place of equality to live here on earth as a human being, a human being without sin, and yet <coughs> he was someone who gave himself to obedience to death on a cross. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, who being in very nature did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So God, in Jesus Christ, sent Jesus Christ into his world. Jesus Christ, in obedience to God the Father, became a human being and gave himself up to death on a cross. He gave it up for us, undeserving as we were and as we are. He removed the dirt of sin from our lives, the deadness of our sins, and the poverty of our fallen human nature by sending Jesus Christ. So by his death on the cross, we may be cleansed from our sins, we may be made alive in Jesus Christ, and we may become rich towards God in our salvation. That was what God sent Jesus Christ into the world for. That's what the grace of Jesus Christ means. God giving Jesus Christ to us. Paul was later right in Ephesians chapter 2. Though you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once lived, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. God's act of mercy, God's grace, 
his undeserving as we were, are saved by Jesus Christ's death and by his resurrection. Christ coming into the world was God giving us something we didn't deserve. <clears throat> so this is a sense, the before and the after, what we were like before Christ came and what we can be like after Christ has come and when we respond to his gracious gift of salvation. What a wonderful thing that God sent Christ. How wonderful it is that Jesus Christ went to the cross taking our sin upon himself who had no sin <clears throat> so that we might be forgiven. This was a costly, sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. The second thought I have in mind is the love of God. <coughs> it's already been mentioned in Ephesians in a verse I quoted, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. God who in his great love, the whole gospel is it all summed up in John chapter 3 verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. Those words, so loved, express the great agape, the great, great heartfelt, deep within love of God. The great love of God, the great mercy and the great grace of Jesus, of God. We didn't deserve it. We didn't desire it. God loved us because God is love. And even though mankind had rebelled and fallen away from God, God still loved fallen mankind. God desired to restore that broken relationship, reconcile us, give us peace between himself once again. 1 John chapter 4 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The whole gospel is summed up in these words, these good words of truth, that we were sinners, that God loved us. We didn't deserve to be freed from our sin. We deserve to be punished. But yet God, even though he's holy and just, is merciful and loving. And he calls us to respond to his love. We should love him because he first loved us. He's shown that love, as First John says, by sending his one and only Son. It was because of God's great love that he sent Jesus Christ into this world. And so he calls us to respond to that love which he has given in Jesus Christ for us. The third thought I want to share with you this morning is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We've just passed the celebration of Pentecost last Sunday when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit and power upon the disciples so that we're giving boldness to go out and proclaim the gospel to those crowds gathered in Jerusalem first of all. But remember the Holy Spirit is part of the eternal God. He was present at creation. The Spirit hovered over the face of the waters, we're told. We read down through the pages of the Old Testament how he came into the lives of certain individual prophets so they were boldly able to proclaim God's message to the people of Israel. He was the Holy Spirit, as I said, who came to disciples and gave them power to preach the gospel. 
is the Holy Spirit whom Jesus promised would come to every person who follows Jesus Christ to guide them. He comes to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. He's the Holy Spirit who comes to live in the life of every person who becomes a Christian. He's the one who comes to <clears throat> fill their lives daily. He's the one who comes to develop God's gifts of his Spirit in people's lives and to grow and nurture in our life the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That is the nature of Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit, it says here, is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the one who bonds all Christians together. We are Christians by being one in Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is the one who keeps us all united together. We read in the Acts of the Apostles, they're all together and everything in common, fellowship. What does fellowship mean? It means we are united together by something in common. We have something which goes beyond friendship. It's a unity of purpose. It's a unity of heart and mind. It's unity together under the main doctrines of the Christian faith. The things that unite us together rather than divide us. So the Christian is united together by the Holy Spirit. The things that we have in common. The acknowledgement of who God is, our creator, provider, redeemer and sustainer. Who Jesus Christ is, the one who is the son of God who came into this world to save us from our sins. The one to whom we must turn repentance and trust for forgiveness of our sins. The one who acquits us, frees us from our sins. We have the Holy Spirit who comes to cleanse us and to make us more like Jesus Christ. And we look forward one day to being glorified, to being with God in heaven. So Jesus had prayed that the disciples and those who would follow after him would be united together, that God's Holy Spirit would bind them together. He prayed that all of them would be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. We are called to be followers of Jesus Christ. We're called to live as witnesses for Jesus Christ. It's nothing worse than to see Christians divided and falling out amongst each other. It's a bad witness. So the Holy Spirit coming into the life of the Christian is the one who binds all Christians together. They have fellowship in him and by him to draw near to God, to become more like God, to become more like Jesus Christ. We have affirmed it a short time ago in the Apostles' Creed and the teaching which tells us that we have all the things that are basic to believing and to following Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. So we need God's Holy Spirit to continue draw us closer to Jesus Christ and draw us closer to each other and so that we can have fellowship and be united together. Because remember, we are God's family. It was God the Holy Spirit who convicted us of our sin and who caused us to respond to Jesus Christ and to the gospel. It was God the Holy Spirit who adopted us and made us members of God's family. Paul in Galatians says, The Spirit calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you an heir. And in Ephesians he says, He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. So the work of God's Holy Spirit 
drew us to Jesus Christ and the work of God's Holy Spirit in our individual lives and together as a church of Jesus Christ is fellowship, unity in Jesus Christ. Yes, like in a human family, we have different characteristics, so we're all different in God's family. But the one thing that should unite us is our unity in faith in Jesus Christ alone as Lord and Saviour. We should be united together in God's Holy Spirit, guiding us and directing us. It guided and directed the, whole, the Holy Spirit did the early church. He was present with the disciples who became apostles. He drew them all together and guided and directed them as he proclaimed and preached and witnessed to the gospel. So that same Holy Spirit should guide and govern and direct all our living for Jesus Christ now in our present world. So often we can see Christianity as superficial, as from the skin outwards. Christianity and the Christian faith is something deep within. And so Christians should be united together in Jesus Christ. They should be living as those who are in Jesus Christ. We should be the ones who are of one mind. We are the ones who should be living together in peace. We are the ones who be, should be striving for perfection. We will never be perfect until we reach heaven. But here on earth, under God's guidance of his Holy Spirit, we should be seeking to be of one mind and to be living peace so as we can be witnesses to the world around us. God gives us all his gifts. He gives the fruit of the Spirit so we can be more effective and better witness for Jesus Christ. He calls us to be one in himself. One day, all our divisions will be gone. We'll be all one in heaven one day in Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, Paul tells us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you're called to one hope when you're called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and in all and through all. So today, the challenge is, and finally, and this is finally, do we know in our lives the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we experienced in our lives his forgiveness of our sins? Have we come to the place at the foot of the cross and acknowledged our sinfulness and our need of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour? Have we come to realise only Jesus Christ and him alone can save us from our sins? Do we know the undeserving blessing of Jesus Christ coming into our lives and forgiving our sins and giving us the gift of eternal life and the possibility and the certainty of no more holding of death or fear of death over our lives? Do we know the deep love of God within our lives? Do we love God more and more in our lives each day because of what he's done for us in sending Jesus Christ? Are we growing and developing in love for God, love for one another, and love for a fallen world around us? And are we united together as people who claim to follow Jesus Christ under the guidance of his Holy Spirit? Is God's Holy Spirit guiding us every day of our lives? Do we desire God's Holy Spirit to fill our lives every day so we become more like Jesus Christ and be more effective for Jesus Christ in the world around us, witness to people who need Jesus Christ? Are we following 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in our lives daily, knowing the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's what God calls us to in our lives and in our living. So today, the challenge is, do these things fulfil an important part of our lives? As I come to the end, one thing struck me as I prepared this sermon. If Paul was writing this church, this letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, to our church, would he be giving these words of advice to us? Would he be saying to us, aim for perfection, listen to my appeal, be of one mind, live in peace? And do we know in our lives and as a church the love and peace of God with us? Do we experience the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in our lives as individuals and as the body of Christ, his church, which he has planted here in this area. And to those who belong to other churches who listen to the service today, I put the same challenge to you. Do we listen to God? Do we know his grace, his love, and his fellowship? Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for your love in sending Jesus Christ into the world. We thank you for his grace in going to the cross and dying for us. We thank you for the fellowship and guidance of the Holy Spirit for us to live our lives each and every day. May we know more and more your grace, your love, and your fellowship in our lives, day and daily. In Jesus' name, amen.